Hello everyone, Sue Meyer here. I just want to say real quick that we've had a lot of speculation from people, questions, asking if we closed our online store. Ah, oh my goodness, no, we did not close our online store. However, we did close our brick and mortar store that we've had for the past nine years in Sauk Center, Minnesota. It made us very, very sad because we had so many great customers. But like I said, that's going to give us more time to devote to our online store. We have two web addresses. One is called theoutpostmercantile.com. The other one is homeopathyformommies.com. Either one of those web addresses will bring you to our online store. And so you can email us at store at theoutpostmercantile.com or manager at theoutpostmercantile.com or info at homeopathyformommies.com. And you can ask questions. You can let us know if there are products you really want to see on our online store in the future. Because now we are trying really, really hard. I mean, we always have only had products on there that we believe in, products that we find work really, really well. And so if there's something that you would like to see online, I'll definitely check it out and we will see what we can do because we want our online store to grow. We want our customers and all of our Homeopathy for Mommies members and our outpost outlaws to be happy and to have the items that they have come to trust and love. So hopefully that straightens everything out. Yes, the brick and mortar store closed. So sorry. But our online store, homeopathyformommies.com and theoutpostmercantile.com are still up and running and growing every day. Thank you and may God bless you and yours. Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. I'm Sue Meyer. Today, we are talking about homeopathic remedies to address a fever. This is a huge subject right now because so many moms have been calling or texting or putting on the forum their children having fevers and what do we do, right? Okay, first of all, I think the most important thing to realize is that a fever is a good thing. I know we've been taught allopathically in conventional Western medicine these days that a fever is dangerous. <laughs> well, you know, a fever is a symptom, okay? It is a symptom that's telling us that the person with the fever is fighting something, okay? We don't know necessarily what they're fighting, but they're fighting something. And so if it's something like chickenpox or... Uh, measles, something like that, that means that, you know, that's an eruptive fever. And so they were exposed seven to 10 days prior to the fever. Then they get probably a sore throat, runny nose, develop a, develop a fever. And then as the fever reduces, then they'll get the eruptions. And I know that Hahnemann and many, many doctors over the course of the last 250 years have said an eruptive fever is the best way to form a perfect immune system because the body goes through all the different stages of taking care of whatever ailment it has. So 
keep that in mind. Okay. So when you're dealing with a fever, don't be scared of fevers. Fevers are, like I said, they're a symptom, a strong symptom. And the reason that children get fevers, higher fevers than adults is because they naturally have a higher vitality. In other words, their body wants to quickly get rid of whatever's bothering them. So again, don't be afraid of fevers. When I was a kid, um, after I had my smallpox vaccine, I developed a really high fever, 106. Um, it was during a snowstorm. I lived in Michigan. And when they get snowstorms there, it's like really heavy snow. And uh, my mom and dad are on the phone with the doctor. And he says, quick, you know, go ahead, take her on the snowmobile, get her to the hospital. <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, just try to get her fever down naturally. So we weren't using homeopathy back then. So my parents actually used like rubbing alcohol on my limbs to pull the fever out of my body. Today, I would tell someone to put pickle socks on the child's feet, soak the white cotton socks in pickle juice. I prefer kosher, in other words, with garlic. Wring out the pickle juice just enough so that it's not super drippy. Put it on the child's feet and then cover both feet with a wool sock. So the white cotton socks soaked in pickle juice and then the wool sock over the top, which acts like a wick. And it naturally pulls the fever, the heat out through the feet without suppressing the fever. Because what happens is um, in allopathic medicine, they tell you to give Tylenol, get a fever reducer in that child now, quick, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, no, do not suppress that fever. It's the body's way of fighting. If you suppress that fever, the body can no longer fight. Okay. So you just have to understand that, get that in your mentality. It's very, very important. I have talked, I think, uh, about fevers many times on different podcasts. And so, like I said, I, um, I can't stress enough. Do not suppress a fever with fever reducers, because what's going to happen six weeks down the road is that that body has recovered from that suppression. And then the, it's going to want to bring it back again so that it can get rid of it naturally. And then you run into the cycle of fevers every six to eight weeks or whatever, you know, however often um, they get it. I know that I was reducing my fever from mastitis and I was running a fever 105 every six weeks with one of my children. And it was until I discovered homeopathy to get help my body get through the illness naturally. You know, I, I was on a cycle and after that point, and that was like in the middle of having my children, I never had mastitis again. And I was a chronic mastitis person it was because I had started with milk fever, which was an injury um, after playing tennis. <laughs> and anyway, do not suppress a fever. Okay. So like I say, fevers are a natural rise in the body's temperature in order. To, it's a response factor to fight infection or illness. And there are different symptoms for, you know, whether it be just an illness or if it's actually an infection. And we can talk about that a little bit later too, but a fever is the body's defense against these viruses and bacteria. So it creates the heat so that the virus or bacteria cannot survive. So if you suppress that fever, what's going to happen? The virus or bacteria can survive and it will lengthen the illness, if not even worse, cause it to go elsewhere in the body. So it's not advisable, like I said, to bring down that temperature um, when the body is in the process of fighting this infection or illness. Um, I've I have talked about that before in the past as well. I'm guilty of that. Like I said, I used to use antibiotics for all my children at the beginning. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I am, you, you go back and it's just like, you cannot believe how stupid you were. You know, once you realize the truth about disease and illness, infections, and what process the body has to actually go through 
in order to get rid of those and how we can ease that for the body with homeopathic remedies and natural supplements as well. Like say the pickle socks, not suppressive, work perfect. And then you give a homeopathic remedy to help ease the body through the higher moments of that fever. It's really, really interesting how I like the other day I had someone very, very ill, had to travel on an airplane. They're like freaking out. I ended up giving them, I explained to them, I gave them a whole bunch of remedies, <laughs> gave them the infection protocol because I didn't know what they were fighting. I gave them the infection protocol and I gave them a couple other remedies. I told them how to use them. I said, this is, this is what you do. Da, 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 da. Remember, you're treating the symptoms. This remedy is good for this. This remedy is good for this. And I says, and you can, you can take these alternating. Anyway, I explained it as best I could. And the next day I get a text that they were feeling considerably better, even though they had to fly that night before. And the next day I got a text again and said, so much better. Thank you. And that person was really, really sick, blowing yellow and really sick with a high fever. So it's amazing how quickly they got over that illness by not suppressing it, but by using homeopathic remedies. So that's what we're talking about here, folks. Homeopathic remedies and different things we can do to help the help the body get over an illness, using that fever to get over that illness. Remember, we're not suppressing it. We're using it. So first of all, you have to kind of understand the different kinds of fever that there are. You know, like when you're looking in the Materia Medica, and I, I tell everybody, do look in the Materia Medica. My, you, if you have my book, great. Um, both of my books are on eBooks and you can just, you can literally, um, you know, type in words to, to pull up, to pull up different remedies, but look in a materia medica and don't hesitate, you know, to look up the different types of fever. Um, if you're looking in the repertory and you don't understand what these, these words mean, like intermittent or remittent, that's what I'll explain here for you. And if you're a member, you can print this little printable off and, it's really helpful that way. Okay, so intermittent is the type of fever <clears throat> when the temperature falls during the day to normal, and then lo and behold, it's back up again at night. So that is a very often seen in something like a malarial um, attack. The people, they will be fine during the day, and then it comes back at night. But it's also very common for children that, oh, mom, I'm fine, and they're running around during the day, and you, then mom feels guilty because they come down with a fever again at night. It really... Yes, you should keep your child down when they're ill so that the body can actually, because your body can only do one thing at a time. And so if you're resting, the body can heal um, more easily than if it's up running around. But like I say, a lot of us moms will feel guilty. Oh, I shouldn't have let little Johnny run around today because now his fever's back. That's an intermittent fever. A remittent fever is when the body temperature fluctuates up and down, but never goes all the way back down to normal. So you'll see that in infectious diseases or bacterial or virus it's probably the most common type of fever that we're seeing today. Like I said, it includes parasites, um, fungus, virus, bacteria, all of those different things, or even infectious disease like the flu. And then the continuous or sustained fever is when the fever is prolonged over a course of time and there is little or no change. In other words, the temperature does not fluctuate more than one degree throughout the 24-hour period of time. You often see this in inflammatory fevers like pneumonia or urinary tract infections. That fever just, just stays there. Hectic fever, this fever has a wide variance or the temperature can swing. It includes intermittent and remittent fevers. So if you see like in the Materia Medica or the repertory, it says hectic fever, you know it can be either intermittent or remittent. 
Um, it could be an abscess or even a pyogenic bacterial infection like strep or staph. Uh, relapsing fevers are the type of fever that recurs after it's been gone for days or weeks. Um, I've even seen it yearly. It's, that's what I had when I was suffering from the, the mastitis. It was a recurring mastitis. Simply, it recurred like that. It relapsed because I was suppressing it with antibiotics, okay? So as soon as the body would get healthy enough, it would try to bring that, that illness back so that it could get rid of it naturally. And what did I do? I suppressed it again with antibiotics. I had a mom, and I told this story on a podcast several years ago. But it's worth telling again, because it's just to explain to parents how serious this really is. I had a mom. Now, mind you, she's uh, an emergency room nurse, so she's an RN. And her she had a child that every six weeks would develop a really high fever. And like I said, a lot of children, depending on what mayas and <laughs> they fall into, they can get really high fevers, 105, 106. Some kids can go into convulsions at 102, but some children with really high vitalities will run these types of really high fevers. And so she called and she would, you know, give the kid Tylenol to bring it down a couple, three days. He's, miss, you know, sick. So she called me, her mom told her to call me. She asked me for help. She says, can you please help me get my child over this fever? And I said, yes, under one condition. She said, what's that? <laughs> and I says that you go through your house and you throw away every single allopathic drug that could suppress your child's fever. I'm talking Tylenol or whatever you give, colds and flu remedies, anything that could suppress that fever, should he come down with a fever again? And she promised she would. And I said, okay, I'll help you then. So sure enough, I get a phone call not too long after that. And her child was running a fever, really high fever. She was scared to death. And <laughs> I said, just start giving the child Belladonna 30C, put pickle socks on and let it, let it rip. And she's like, what? <laughs> he says, you have to be strong enough to let this fever do what it needs to do. It literally has to burn itself out. And so she did. She said through the night, the course of that evening and that night, she was literally changing the pickle socks every 20 minutes, would give another dose of belladonna. She said at 2 or 2.30 in the morning, the fever finally broke. And I kid you not, that child never got another fever again. I mean, obviously he was sick again over the years, but he never had that recurring fever again. She let it burn itself out naturally. And that's what fevers do. It had to bring back that that illness that, that had been being suppressed for so long, and then she was good again. So with that in mind, let's talk about <laughs> some homeopathic remedies that we can use for different types of fever. Okay, um, remember that like cures like. So homeopathic remedies gently speak to the body in a like cures like manner to nudge it towards healing. These are not, these are not like allopathic medicines that are going to suppress or change something, all they're going to do is wake the body's system. So like cures like. It recognizes the frequency of that particular remedy, whatever that remedy was made from, it recognizes that frequency and it actually acts like a tuning fork to help raise the body's tune. Okay. So when the body is sick, the immune system suppress it falls. Okay. So the immune system falls down. When the body recognizes a homeopathic remedy, the frequency of that, like I said, acts like a tuning fork to raise the body's immune system back up again so that it can fight. It's absolutely amazing. It's like tuning a piano, but we're not tuning a piano. We're giving a homeopathic remedy in order to tune the body. So simple, so simple. And the first thing that 
is going to respond to that tuning fork remedy, so to speak, is the mind. The mind is going to recognize it and it's going to know right away that this is working. Even though the fever might spike for a period of time or it might cause sweating or something like that, the mind knows it's the right remedy and it's going to begin to heal. So one of the things that we need to do when our patient has a fever is look at the mind description of that person. I've had, I have, like I said, I had 11 children. And so I had this perfect group of people to study <laughs> and no two children are alike. It's really, really funny. Um, when one flu would come through the house, I might have to use three different remedies. It was, it was really quite hilarious. And I couldn't understand why until I realized that they each had different dispositions. So while one might feel anxious or angry, um, one might actually have abusive behavior. I had a mom on their forum the other day. And she said that every time my child starts to get sick, she gets very mean and she starts being sneaky and doing bad things. So that's abusive behavior. We can have some that might go into a delirium type situation if they have a really high fever or confusion. There's so many different adjectives that we can use to describe our sick patient. Some might be, oh, there's so many, like I said, some of the adjectives here that are just really quite funny. Some are just quiet. Some have rage. Some are restless. Some are talky. They just want to talk, talk, talk. And some of them are just, they cry. Others just want to hug and cuddle. It's just, it's really, really interesting. All the descriptive adjectives that we can be used to describe our patient. So it's very important that you take note of what your patient is like when they're sick. Some of the physical aspects that also may go along with the fever are headache. Headache is a huge one. Um, and then you have to realize what part of the head hurts. Okay. So note the part of the head, the front, which is the, was, was the frontal, the back, which is the occiput, the, like the temple sides of the pain, the parietals or the, the temporal area of the pain, the top, which be, which be the vertex. Your patient can tell you to say, and they'll say, oh, I have a headache. Say, where is your head hurt? And they'll point. And it's, it's a natural innate thing for the body to always point to where it hurts. The next thing you need to notice is, is have them describe their pain because it could be a headache. Oh, it just hurts. I know, honey, it hurts. Tell me what kind of hurt. It hurts. <laughs> and they'll just yell at you. I know it hurts, but can you tell me what that hurt is like? And they'll say, I don't know. It just hurts. It's, it's beeping mom, or it's throbbing. They might say, it feels like somebody's tearing my brain out, or they can say, it just feels heavy. I can't lift my head up. They might say, it, it's right here. This pressure is right here. In other words, that's a congestion or a pressing pain. Pulsating is another word for throbbing or beeping. Um, so all those different, all those different adjectives can be used to describe that pain. And then, you know, if they have eye pain or ears, any other, any other type of symptom that is really strong, you know, their whole body's going to ache. They're, you know, they're going to have probably 10 symptoms. You ask them for the, the things, the three things that are the worst. And you can go with those. That's that's kind of what I usually do because there's so many so many rubrics that it's really hard to follow all of them. But get those odd and peculiar things. I, you know, I remember one grandchild one time says, "Grandma, it, my head is beeping." You know, that was that was really fun. It was that was you know, it's like a belladonna thing. We'll talk about that anyway. Find out if they have nasal discharge. What kind of nasal discharge? You know, it's just like, oh, my nose is all stuffed up. Okay, when you blow it, what's it look like? 
These are really key symptoms. Is it clear? Is it drippy? Is it stringy? When I say drippy, I mean watery, clear water. Is it stringy? Is it, and then what color? Color is really, really important as well. All these different things. Or if they blow and nothing comes out, that's important as well. If they feel like they need to blow or if it just is painful. You know, all these different symptoms. <laughs> okay. So they all help to point to the correct remedy. Um, and then, of course, there can always be other symptoms with the fever. There can be um, thirsty. Thirsty is a really big one. And then ask what they're thirsty for. Do they want cold water? Do they want warm or hot water? Do they want a lot or just a little? Um, or maybe there's no thirst. Okay. Maybe their tummy hurts. And then ask them to point to what region the tummy hurts. You point. Let's see. Let's let's figure out what organ is being affected by this fever. <laughs> um, how's their how's their stool? Have they have they gone potty lately? You know, find out if they have constipation or diarrhea or if anything has changed that's abnormal for their normal. Okay. So what I've done here is I've just and on the printable, you can't see it if you're not a member, but if you're a member, you can see the printable. And you, I, like I said, I pulled some rubrics and then I highlighted some remedies that will help us to look at the different remedies. Okay. So fever for the intermittent or malarial acute type fever, um, we have remedies like arsenicum and then the China remedies, eupatorium and roostox. Now, again, this is an acute a fever that is recurring, intermittent. Okay. And then we have fever remittent, aconite, arsenicum, belladonna, bryonia, eupatorium, pharamphos, gelsemium, roostox. And then we have the hectic fever, aconite, arsenicum, belladonna, bryonia, eupatorium, pharamphos, and gelsemium. I did highlight some other remedies that come up in these types of fevers, but we're not going to talk about all of them today. But I did highlight them on the printable, just so that you can be aware of the types of fever that our recurring remedies will show up. Fever, um, just the heat relapsing type fever. We have aconite, arsenicum, roostox, bryonia, eupatorium for extremities, coldness, chilliness, durina fever, aconite, eupatorium, gelsemium, and belladonna. And then uh, inflammation of the abdomen during a fever lies in like typhoid, like so they have really bad stomach pains. Arsenicum, belladonna, and roostox come up really strong. Abdomen, the fever, it's like if they have... Um, Pain in their abdomen before a fever, arsenicum, eupatorium, and roostox. Mind, delirium during the night with fever, arsenicum, belladonna, bryonia, roostox. Delusions during a fever, aconite, belladonna, bryonia, and roostox. There's, like I said, there's others that come up that I'm not really going to talk about today. Um, so if you could see the printable, it would be kind of fun. Okay, so we have constipation during a fever, and again, aconite, arsenicum, bryonia, belladonna, gelsemium, and roostox, or diarrhea during a fever. Again, same type of remedies, aconite, arsenicum, bryonia, eupatorium, belladonna. We have ferrum, gelsemium, and roostox here, and a cough during a fever. Aconite, arsenicum, belladonna, bryonia, eupatorium, ferrumphos, and roostox. So those are some really good examples, and those are the types of remedies that come up for those types of fevers. If you look in the repertory, you're going to see so, so many different causative fever symptoms. And it's easy to look them up. Um, but once you know the basics of the remedies for fever, then you can just treat a fever very, very quickly. 
and you can stop it before it comes on. <laughs> that's, you know, because the thing is, is a lot of times the children will be exposed to a virus. Now, it's not, that's not, a virus is not a bacterial infection. Okay, it's not, it's just they've been exposed to something that their body wants to run a fever for, you know, just to get rid of it. But a virus is, a, a lot of times, if you just give aconite and belladonna at the get-go, they're not even going to go ahead and run that fever, okay? Um, that's my favorite. I call it A and B. And you just give aconite and then you follow it with belladonna. You can give a couple doses of each if you want to. But usually when my kids were little and I knew they had been outside and they got, even if they just got chilled, you know, in the night air, or if they got caught in the rain without a jacket, aconite, aconite, aconite. You always think of aconite for any type of shock or, tr or trauma. And that's like we had a wedding last week and it's, it was an outdoor venue. And oh my goodness. Um, a lot of people didn't know it was an outdoor venue. So <laughs> I brought tons of extra blankets and jackets and things like that. It was a blast. We had so much fun. But you can hear even my voice right now because, well, I just, I love parties. Anyway, we, um, a lot of people actually got sick because they got chilled. And, you know, which is really sad. I'm really sorry about that, but it, it was really fun. But those of us who took aconite did not get sick. Okay. Um, and so, you know, my one daughter was walking around giving everybody a dose of aconite that would take it. And, and it, it protects the body. It, like I said, it's like that tuning fork that says, hey, there's been a chill and exposure here. Deal with it. <laughs> and the body does. So aconite, always remember aconitum for symptoms that are brought on by things like shock, fright, injury, trauma, heat stroke, or exposure to dry, cold winds or rain. Um, it's occasionally... And, you know, like I said, the intense heat can bring it on as well. And it's a huge fear and anxiety remedy as well. Um, it's so interesting that exposure to cold weather or wind will bring on this type of and a fever. And it will bring on a high fever too. It really can. And I remember I look back and I was, when I discovered aconite, I'm thinking, why didn't I know about this when my kids were little? Because I was one of these people that was always chilly. And I would tend to overwrap my babies and then I'd discover, oh my goodness, they're sweating. Lo and behold, they'd get a stuffy nose and a slight fever. If I would have known to unwrap them, give them a dose of aconite, they wouldn't have gotten sick. It's so you can even, you know, go the other way. It's not just cold. It can be heat as well. Um, so yeah, <laughs> live and learn, right, mom? I know kids do not come with a, a, a manual. And my mom used to try to tell me this, but because I was cold, I thought the child must be cold. Okay. Um, so anyway, I like to give aconite right at the get-go. And again, don't forget, you can follow it with belladonna just, you know, like to kick the bug. If you suspect they were exposed to a virus or something, get, you know, give the aconite then belladonna. Aconite is the acute of sulfur. <laughs> That's kind of interesting for the fever. There's the fever triad that a lot of people like to give, and that's aconite, belladonna, and then calcarb. Because calcarb babies do like to run fevers. The second remedy we'll talk about here is arsenicum. And seriously, this is one of my very favorite remedies for today. When I say that, it's because during COVID, it was the first remedy that came out that everyone was saying, this is really a helpful remedy. And, it, you know, obviously with, with that doggone illness, the remedy picture would change extremely quickly, extremely fast. It would change. It would be like arsenicum moment and you give arsenicum and then it would it would change. It would mutate into something different. And I can remember chasing, um, like I said, chasing, chasing the symptoms of that illness. And you know what? That's what you do with homeopathy. If the symptom picture changes, use a different remedy. And, but it kept him out of the hospital. 
you know, it kept them at the end eventually got better. So even if it's not a natural disease, <laughs> you can still chase the symptoms. It's just that homeopathy is natural. And so it has a hard time. That's why it, the symptom picture would change is because it had a hard time finding that right frequency because the frequency wasn't natural. It's like trying to use the wrong software with your computer. You can't do it. But with homeopathy, we can get close, even if it's not a natural disease. You can get really close. So don't, you know, take heart, just use a different remedy. But arsenicum is for any kind of toxicity or poisoning. And oddly enough, you can go out to eat and you can get sick and run a fever just, you know, from having the wrong, the wrong foods um, or something that hasn't, wasn't good. Very often constipation or diarrhea will accompany the fever and it will be burning. The stools are always burning when they come out. Arsenicum has a great burning sensation or burning will be in the description. Like my sore throat is burning, mom. My nose is burning. Okay. Arsenicum. This patient will have great prostration and he will appear to have rapidly sinking vital forces. So you can see him going down very quickly. So it should be the first remedy you reach for when illnesses of an unknown nature that's coming through the house. So if you have one sick patient and you realize, oh my goodness, I have seven other kids here. Just give everybody either a dose. I actually would like to, get, I, when I was a young mother, I would give Econite and Belladonna because I didn't know what I was fighting. And then I'd go ahead and turn around and give Arsenicum because to the these, these are even to the healthy people because that would wake up their vital forces to say, hey, there's something in the house. And a lot of times it would waylay anybody else getting sick. Um, so like I said, it, in today's world, we use it for being exposed to anything, external gas or toxins or other harmful elements. Arsenicum will quickly speak to the body's unique defense system and trigger its poisoning incoming alarm. So like fevers at night, this is a, this this remedy really likes the high fevers at night, especially around that midnight hour. Um, there's a lot of anxiety with the arsenicum patient. They're not going to just lie prostrate on the couch and just let you wait on them. They're going to be fidgety, fussy, restless. They can have high fevers. They can even have septic fevers, which means bacterial. Um, they can be delirious, uh, complete exhaustion. There can be coldness in spots or even blue nails, internal chill with external heat and red cheeks. The body may seem cold. So that's the arsenicum picture. And these people love small sips of water. They'll say, oh, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> so you'll go get them a big glass of water thinking that, you know, and they'll take a tiny sip and put it down. That's all they want. And they'll do that frequently. So that's another thing about the arsenicum patient. And then we have the belladonna patient. These are in alphabetical order. I'm not, there's, because there's no one is the absolute best. Belladonna is the one that I always gave my kids. I gave them aconite and belladonna because belladonna is the remedy that interrupts um, virus. Okay. We call it the great viral interrupter because it does. It's like when my son had viral meningitis and I, I tell the story, I think I wrote about it in my book. I tell it all the time because it was so amazing. This was the first time I used it at an acute illness besides myself. And um, I called my homeopath and I said, my son has meningitis because he does not. He says, yes, he does. I, you know, cause I knew all the symptoms cause I actually had had bacterial meningitis years before this. Anyway, he told me to give him belladonna. All I had was a, my sister brought 30 X over cause I didn't have these remedies on hand back then. So she brought me belladonna 30 X, which was what she had in her little kit. And we gave my son a dose. He had, at that time he had a fever of 101. And when I gave him a, a dose of that belladonna 30 X, he looked at me like, oh, thanks mom. And within a few minutes, he just started shaking and 
shivering, shaking, like literally convulsing. But his mind was clear. It was just that his body was, he was just shaking so bad. I'm so cold. I'm so cold, mom. And what was happening is his fever was raising. So this is what we call like the aggravation. But he, his mind was good. He felt like the remedy did him good right away. And so I, about a half hour later, I took a step again. I says, oh my goodness, it's 105. So it gone from 101 to 105 in 30 minutes. I called my homeopath and he says, great, it's working. Give him another dose. If all you have is a 30X, give him another dose. He says, and then put the pickle socks on him. So I did. And my son fell asleep. And when he woke up two hours later, his fever had broke. It was down to 99. And he's just like, mom, I can move my head because his neck had hurt so bad. And he had such a horrible headache that he couldn't stand the light and the noise and everything like that. All the meningitis symptoms. And it was all I could do to keep him down on the sofa for the next three days, just make sure he was not going to get a relapse, but it was absolutely amazing. And it was viral meningitis because, um, the school district where my husband worked, um, they had actually closed for two weeks and two boys died because during that period of time, because they, there's no, you can't use antibiotics on virus. You can't, it doesn't do any good. All it actually does antibiotics, when you give it for a virus, it suppresses the system even more. So the, the so that the system can't fight what it's supposed to be trying to fight. So anyway, belladonna is absolutely amazing. It interrupts virus and helps the body get over whatever it's dealing with. And these, like I said, belladonna has fevers that come on fast and hard. And they can have the red cheeks, the red ears. Um, they can have a cough. Um, they can have, you know, they might cry before they get the whooping cough. The cough is induced by lying down or when they breathe deeply. Um, the face has, oh, this is the funniest thing about belladonna. This is what I love. Is that the, the face and the eyes sparkle literally sparkle. Um, and the eyes will be dilated real huge. So you'll see a bit, they, they look absolutely gorgeous because the, the eyes are so dilated. And so that's one of the things about Belladonna because Belladonna is amazing. I just, it, it's amazing for more things than just fever. Um, I could sit here and talk about appendicitis and, <laughs> you know, kidney and gallstone, um, you know, problems. And yeah, we could talk about Belladonna all day, but Remember it for high fevers. The next remedy that um, we're going to talk about is bryonia. Again, this is one of my very favorite fever remedies for today. It is um, worse for motion. So always think of this remedy for flu or injury like first. Okay. Any complaint where that's worse for motion. They just, no, no, just don't touch me. Just let me sit here. I just, they'll lay down on the sofa gently. They don't want, they don't even want you to sit on the sofa. They don't want I had a young lady once, it was actually her constitution when she would get sick, she would say that she would lay in the farthest corner of the bed so that even if somebody accidentally brushed up against the bed, she didn't even, she, the vibration even of the bed being touched aggravated her. That's how much they do not like motion. So it's really interesting how bryonia is so good for any kind of flu where they're just totally prostate, don't touch me, leave me alone type of thing. They tend to be real bilious. They might throw up a lot. Um, that can be a, that can be a quick symptom for a bryonia need in the flu. Um, but like I said, the headache, usually the headache is in the frontal part of the head with bryonia or behind the, the eye, especially the left side. Um, bryonia is the number one remedy for dehydration due to lack of fluids. And so they can, might even have the, the top of their head will be like, a, just like they're wearing a, a beanie cap, the whole top of the head might hurt. And that's a sign of dehydration. So you can watch that really close for people with fever as well. Eupatorium is the next one. This is an awesome remedy for high fever um, and body aches. 
Um, it's often thought of for common winter colds. There's a lot of sneezing or coryza, um, commonly known as a head cold, pain in the head as if it would burst, aggravated by motion, because they don't like motion either. Very much like a bryonia patient. They desire to be warmly covered, but has they have a distinct aching in the bones. This is the deep bone breaking pains. So like I said, if your patient complains of that deep bone pain and they're sneezing, um, they don't have to be sneezing, but they do have the deep bone pains. They just, oh, I ache so bad. That's what they'll say. That's a eupatorium, a eupatorium patient. They have great thirst before and during the ch the fever. So we're, well, Bryonia has great thirst as well. Severe, lots of great thirst. They'll tell you they're thirsty and you bring them a glass of water and they'll drink the whole thing and they'll say, can I have another one? Or, you know, because like our Senecum just takes a sip, Bryonia and Eupatorium drink vast amounts of water. Okay, then we can move on down to Gelsemium. I love this remedy. This is the remedy um, thought of for colds and flu that come on slowly rather than quickly and violently like Belladonna or Aconite. Um, these people are very lethargic and prostrate. They're thirstless. Okay, where Bryonia is thirsty. These people are thirstless. Um, and there's a great heaviness in the limbs. I can remember I had a I had a eupatorium patient, I had a gelsemium patient, and I had a bryonia patient all at the same time, all sick. They're all taking up all the sofas. And I even made a bed on the floor for some of my kids one year when the flu went through. It was just, oh, it was crazy. But these remedies just pulled them out of it so quick. It was just amazing. But gelsemium, because they, they don't mind, like if you sit on the edge of the sofa to ask them how they're feeling, then that's a, that's a key is that they don't mind who's sitting next to them or touching them. They just don't want you to make a move. They just want to lay there. And like I said, they're very lethargic. And they may complain about the headache in the back of the head, or it started back here, mommy. Now it's up here, and it just might go up and over the head, or it might move. But it will start in the back of the head. And gelsemium, if they have discharge, if they're blowing their nose, they have discharge, it might, it's yellow. And then we have Roostox. Roostox is, um, well, it's a great flu remedy especially if there's a rash or eruptions, um, pains are improved by motion. So where Bryonia wants to lie perfectly still, Roostox will get up and move around. It's very, you, sometimes you might see arsenicum in a Roostox patient, you know, because they're both restless, but where arsenicum can just never get comfortable, Roostox is, they're, they're better if they're up moving around. Else, like I'll tell my child, go lay down, honey. No, no, I'm, I'm better if I'm up. And they'll say that. They'll actually say, no, I, I need to be up because they need to, their pains, everything is improved by movement. So that's the Roostox. And they, like I said, it's a great flu remedy with extreme restlessness, cannot get comfortable. They can be chilly and sweaty, sensitive. Um, they're dry mouth. They have a dry mouth, but they're thirstless. It's just like their mouth is so dry. Here, here have some, you know, no, they really don't want to drink. So it's very, very interesting. And there is another, um, the external the ears, the external can be swollen. And I threw this in here simply because um, that is an odd and peculiar symptom. And I have seen that with my own children. And I didn't recognize it in the back in the day is that the external part of the ear, not, not the inside, they're not, they don't have earaches necessarily, but the outside can actually swell. Very interesting. They can have the earaches, but even like my kids didn't have earaches. I only had one child that had earaches. Um, and she only had the one because I, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, the external ear can be swollen. Very interesting. And this is the chicken pox remedy, the, the eruptive 
virus remedy. It's excellent for that. Like I said, we could talk, we could go on and on and on about more remedies when it comes to fevers, but these are the main remedies. If you have these in an area where you can get to them because your child is sick or your husband or, you know, your mom, <laughs> it, these, these remedies, you can, oh my goodness, you can help your sick people so much just by having these remedies on hand and knowing their symptoms, you know, knowing their keywords. I know one of my um, friends in Florida, I was telling her about Alan Key's, um, it's here it is, it's the keynotes, it's a little book. I mean, obviously I um, use a lot of this information when I wrote my books, but Keynotes and Characteristics of the Materia Medica with Nozos by H.C. Allen, MD. And this is the handiest little keynote book because it tells you about the different particular remedies in, in um, the Materia Medica and their keynotes, their most important, most important things about them. You know, so like cures like, and each remedy has keynotes that are always truths about a particular remedy. So like if you have a patient that is up and moving all the time, bryonia is not the remedy. I mean, the, there's certain keynotes that are always a truth about a particular remedy. And because God is orderly, his natural remedies are orderly and they're always going to have those keynotes. That's not to say you can't give belladonna even if they don't have, you know, certain symptoms. You can give it just because you know they were exposed to a virus. But when a remedy is being called for specifically, you're going to know that um, those keynotes are always a truth about that particular remedy. So like, cures like, write down those top three ailments that your patient has. Look for the remedy that is best suited. And voila, you're going to help that person get over that illness very, very quickly. All right, folks, I'm going to let you go. This got a little bit lengthier than I wanted it to. I can't help myself. I talk too much. <laughs> May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com. Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.